Let's pray together before we look at Article 10 of our church's doctrinal position. Pray with me, church. Father, we're just thankful that we uh, are able to gather together freely as a church and to consider things like our church's doctrine and uh, to uphold together important truths that we hold together in the word. Thank you for the unity that's in this room. Thank you for the like-mindedness that we have. Thank you, Lord, that we, uh, as fellow members and believers, have convictions about what your holy word reveals. And that not only do we have convictions, but that we confess these things together and that we uphold these things, we teach these things, we share these things, we stand firm on these things, help us um, through even these um, short teachings through the Baptist faith and message. Would you help us to be uh, solidified in our faith? Would you encourage us even tonight with truths that would help and bless us in the Christian life? We say this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, why is it that so many Christians and popular media just happens to be so enamored by this aspect of theology dealing with the end times, or as the Article 10 of the Baptist Faith and Message puts it, uh, the last things. Why does it draw so many people to care so deeply about this in a variety of ways? If you thought about that, um, I'd like to propose that Maybe one good reason might be is because biblical teaching, this particular biblical teaching, pictures a future reality that we can hardly imagine now, here and now, and that none of us have experienced, though we hope for it. So there's something unique and intriguing about it. It's future. It's exciting. And really... It's also where the rubber meets the road because if Christianity is true, then the things of the future that the Bible teaches are going to get real, so to speak. And if it's false, then we are to be most pitied, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, because we will have been wasting our time with this whole Christianity thing if this whole thing is false. So the believers look forward to this with hope and anticipate the future and all that God has in store for us. And then on the other hand, unbelievers mock our teaching on the end times and look at it as if we are some wild-eyed conspiracy theorists in our, of our own. Like with our faith in this hope that we have, they think that it's not true. They would mock us because of it, unbelievers. They do that because if it's true, it's really bad news for them. So they certainly don't want it to be true. They don't believe it. But like I said, if it isn't true, on the other hand, it means that it's really bad and pathetic news for us because we would just be delusional as the unbelievers claim and mock if it wasn't true. Either side that you're on, a lot's at stake in this topic, which is why I think so many people are drawn to it. So let's see quickly what our church doctrinal statement has to say on this very important topic of the last things. And let's look at point number one 
It's the end of the world as we know it. As that catchy song, if anybody has heard that on the radio or in a movie, now it's stuck in your minds the rest of the evening. Sorry about that. Let's see what the Baptist faith and message, the first part says. It says this, God in his own time and in his own way will bring the world to an appropriate end. Do we believe that? The Baptist faith and message teaches that. Let's see what scripture has to say about this appropriate end that we look forward to. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 says this, to tie into our introduction, it says, If in Christ we have hope only in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. You see the order in it? When he delivered the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see that right in the scriptures that, that there is a future day where it will come to an end. And then Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 and following, this is a good section here, into chapter 21 and verse 4. I want us to see it clearly from Scripture. These are encouraging things, true things. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Then another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, He was thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's the end of the world as we know. Things as we see it today will not continue on eternally. And let me just be clear up front on, on this topic. Baptists have different views on how all these end times things work out in terms of the details, in terms of the timeline. But we can all agree to these great truths that are summarized in the Baptist faith and message because the Baptist faith and message wisely keeps the teaching on the end times broad to allow good Christians who work out difficult topics of the end times and all the details a little bit differently. But all Christians and all Baptists certainly will believe that the way things are now will not continue on eternally. There will be an end. 
there will be an end. The scriptures make that clear as we just saw. The world as we know it is not eternal. The Bible reveals a different worldview than that pagan philosophy and thought. The era we are in right now is not the final chapter. This is not just how it's going to be on earth forever and ever and ever. No, there's a plan of redemption that includes something else in the future that we await with hope. So we should await with hope right now with a living hope for this future judgment and future glory. It should motivate us. You see, end times topics, when we read about it or hear sermons on it or discuss the Baptist faith and message on it, it should actually, in the meantime, change our lives to live more productive lives to the glory of God and the good of the church and the kingdom as we're considering things in this bigger picture. How we experience the few years that we have on earth is not all that there is. There's more to it. We have more to get excited about it. But the Bible teaches, the Baptist faith and message teaches, that there will be an end and it's still a future that we look forward to. This leads us to our second point, number two, the return of the king. Let's look at the little, uh, next little section of the Baptist faith and message on this as we continue on through this article. It goes on and says, according to his promise, Jesus Christ will return personally and visibly in glory to the earth. Think about that. Jesus is coming back. Does the Bible teach that? The Baptist faith, the message teaches it. We better hope that it's biblical. Let's look at a few passages together to see if our church's doctrine coincides with biblical truths so that we can all be the judge of that. Acts one eleven says this. And it goes on and says, and, uh, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up, taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. So Acts, after his resurrection, he ascends. He's going to come back just like he ascended bodily. Wow, wonderful. Titus 2.13 says this, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. If Jesus said it and he said these things in his earthly ministry, he will do what he said. And if he said he was going to go, prepare place, and come back and return, we better believe that he's going to do that. We should have confidence in that. He will do it. And just as they saw him and his resurrected body ascend on high, he will be descending to return a second time. Only this time he's going to be coming the second time and as, as an exalted king and not as, as the humble baby in the manger that we saw in his first coming that we celebrate at Christmas. The return of the king in power, in glory, in majesty, in might, bodily. He's coming personally, visibly, in glory to the earth. Some people deny Jesus' return. Or some say that it's simply a spiritual return and a spiritual resurrection. I've talked to people who have this, this view and it's so twisted and wrong and the Bible rebukes them for it in multiple places because the resurrection of Jesus, as we know, is clearly bodily. Not some spiritual thing, but he rose bodily in a glorified body. And his ascension was bodily as he ascended to the right hand of the Father, visibly, for everybody to see, publicly, for everybody to see. And it says he's going to come back bodily, just like he ascended bodily. 
not some secret thing, but a public display of power and kingly authority when he returns again. Do you believe in this King Jesus? Do you believe that he's coming again? Does it give you hope now? We should be anticipating as Christians the return of Jesus, and that should actually cause us to humbly live our lives to the glory of God and not to waste our time with sinful disobedience, but to see the bigger picture and have the bigger hope, that blessed hope that we saw from Titus. He's coming again. You better believe it. You better believe it. Not only should we believe it, we should think about it. It should encourage us now. Not just later. We're going to be really encouraged later. But let's be encouraged now. Let's let that make a difference in our lives now. End time stuff is not just for the end times. Amen? It's for the now times. We need to be moved with this vision now because he's coming again. This leads us to our last point and number three, the final judgment. Let's see what the Baptist faith and message says on this topic. It says the dead will be raised. That's at the return of Christ, kind of following up from that last point. The dead will be raised. And Christ will judge all men in righteousness. The unrighteous will be consigned to hell, the place of everlasting punishment. The righteous in their resurrected and glorified bodies will receive their reward and will dwell forever in heaven with the Lord. So Jesus is going to come. The Baptist faith and message says... Everybody will be resurrected. He will quicken the dead. Everybody. That means everybody. Every human being who's ever lived in the history of the world who's died will be quickened and raised. That's according to the Baptist faith and message. Is it biblical, though? That's what we always have to ask because we submit to the authority of Scripture alone. The Baptist faith and message, we hope, would be pointing to biblical realities. Let's see what the Scriptures say. Acts 24 and verse 15 says this. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. That includes everybody. Those are the only topics. You're a believer. You're a part of the just category. If you're an unbel- Why? Not because of your own justice and your own goodness, but because of Jesus. If you're an unbeliever, you're in the unjust category. Okay, let's look at another passage. Acts 17, verse 31 says this. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus Christ died and rose. And there will be a fixed day of judgment in the future. We're all will be judged. The Baptist faith and message points to that. The scriptures point to that as well. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And lastly, in the great judgment that we see in Matthew 25, Matthew 25 at the end, after he's separating sheep and goats, and you remember that, they're saying, when did we see the hungry and, and, and feed them and the, and the thirsty and give them something to drink? We don't remember that, and Jesus says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did unto me, and he gives blessings and curses based on these things, and the conclusion of that in Matthew 25 and verse 46 says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, that is the unbelievers, but the righteous into eternal life. 
there are two destinations. There are two types of people, the just and the unjust. There are two de destinations, uh, those who uh, are going to eternal life and those who are going to eternal punishment. Baptist faith and message talk about this final judgment and these two different places that, that all humans will be going to, one or the other. There's no middle way. That's what the Bible teaches, I believe. And that is what we have to look forward to as believers. And that is what should cause us to be urgent and eager, even as believers, in light of the coming judgment as well. We must be like Noah when in the days of the coming flood was warning people about the judgment to come. He was a preacher of righteousness. Nobody listened to him. But he's been, as the scriptures make a connection, that the days of the future prior to the judgment of fire will be the, like the days of Noah prior to the judgment of the water and the flood. Are we going to be heralds of the good news of the gospel to lost people who have an eternity of lostness ahead? Or are we going to sit on the sidelines and ignore it and keep it to ourselves? I hope we, we do. I hope we do what these things should push every genuine believer to do, and that is to share with urgency the good news of the gospel, to share with urgency the escape from future judgment. We must look forward to hope even in our own lives right now, like we've said, in light of this eternity, seeking to glorify God and live for him for an eternal treasure, not for earthly treasures that will just be burnt up. We live for something more. We saw this in the Sermon on the Mount. If we do everything just to be seen and just for this world now, and if we just do everything to, to store up treasures for ourselves, what does Jesus say? Are you kidding me? That's not going to last. That's not going to last in the new heavens and the new earth. Quit storing up treasures for yourself here. Think of the pharaohs who get buried with all of their treasures, and what are they? They don't get to enjoy that. They, they don't get to use that. That's not how it works. There's a different kind of treasure. There's a different kind of focus. There's a different kind of work. There's a mission. The kingdom of God is advancing. The local church is here doing good works to the glory of God, something that goes beyond all the treasures of Pharaoh and all the treasures we, any major company could, could drum up. Elon Musk buying Twitter for billions and billions of dollars. That guy's got a lot of money and space stuff and... This is nothing compared to eternal treasures, and that's only going to last a little bit longer. He's got a lot of money, but it's only going to last a little bit longer. That's a true for every one of us here in this room. It's true for everyone in the whole world. There's something better to look forward to. It should motivate us now. And like I said, this should get us up off our seats in urgency in the Great Commission as we tell others that Jesus will return again with power and glory. But only this time, it's going to be Amazing news for the believer, but sober, serious, eternal, consequential judgment for unbelievers. Those are the categories. It, it hits us in all different ways. It's why I think the topic is so popular in our day. Let it give you hope, believer. Let it orient your life around eternal things and give you, us all perspective in everything we do. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to look at biblical truths. Thank you for giving us answers to things and questions that we have that we can be so confused about and that can cause us worry and fear and anxiety. Would you encourage the believers here with a vision uh, that would change their lives now? 
And would you use us in Great Commission work to make an impact on the world, an impact on our community, an impact on our family for your glory and for the people's good so that the peoples would praise you. We say this in Christ's name.